Schizotopia. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell Cody. And joining me once again, artist, known freak boy, and guy who famously doesn't like talking, Brian David Downs. Brian, how are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, I don't mind talking. I, yeah, I hate talking. <laughs> <laughs> You've told me repeatedly that it's, it's it's one of your least favorite things. But you also, you also were really um, emphatic about wanting to do a podcast just on your own. So here you go. You've got it. Yeah, the the recording side, like having to like hear it back. I think I'm like I don't mind talking in like the real per se, but that's just that whole like hearing it back and then being like, God, I didn't say something like that or something, you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're so you're okay with you're okay with being on a podcast as long as you don't have to listen to it. Kind of. Yeah. It took me a like I listened listen to the one with uh, Jake and Isabel. I mean, I just you know you hate yourself for like the first couple times, and then <laughs> okay, it's not that bad i mean if it makes you feel any better it it was it was pure agony when i started this podcast wow three years ago um it was pure agony listening to my own voice uh and editing my own voice for i would say like the first 40 hours of editing that i did but after that i got over it and then the weird thing is i think after doing it long enough i started to hear myself i think as other people hear me at least as much as that is possible. You start to hear yourself as other people hear you. And then instead of that being cringe, it's kind of liberating. You kind of, you, you, you gain some, you gain some self-understanding. Yeah. And I, like I had pro tools um, since I was, I want to say 17 or 18 and then kind of learned a few. And I learned a little bit of like uh digital like recording and stuff. And so I, I got through the first few years of like hearing yourself singing and trying all the like different voices and all that and so you kind of you get a how do you say like you get you figure out what sounds couldn't be good but you still have that premeditated like i'm going to say this compared to like speaking out and just talking in conversation that's like and it's sounding normal you know not like uh neurotic per se i i remember when i was a teenager i was really into punk quote unquote even though that's the meaning of that has changed a lot <laughs> from yeah, the time yeah. that when punk actually started to when i was listening to it to whatever the fuck it is now um I, I don't know if there's even kids running around who still consider themselves punk or whatever but i i do remember there was a bunch of punk bands um that pretty much all they ever sang about was being punk bands i think all all genres all forms of art get to that point 
And I kind of think that is what's happening with podcasting now is that you have a lot of podcasters who just their podcast is about being a podcaster. I feel like me lately, especially I've been super guilty of this. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you can get trapped in that because it is. But I mean, that's the medium or whatever of it. And I think that ability to have these kind of like coherent, long thoughts and like really fleshing out topics and to the point of even absurdity. But that, I mean, it's, I don't know, it, it makes sense, but I can see how you can really fall into like the, what are we, you know, what, at what point? Um, and I mean, I was just thinking about this and like the draw to it, because it has like that feel of like an alterity to like an outside to like the mainstream spin or the, you know, what, what the kind of prescribed entertainment is, but yet it's, you know, it's very, it becomes artifact is kind of like how Bataille has trying to like defeat the Hegelian systems, but still kind of create systems at the end of it all despite it being like constantly trying to be more heterogeneous of itself. All right, I don't want to go into theory weeds just yet because I have my first question for you, Brian. Yeah. Which is, who the fuck are you? Ah, uh, it's, you know, it's I've been talking those... to you for years. I actually have no idea who you are. Where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> it's like everybody's like just out of like left field under a rock. Um, I'm a Scorpio. It's uh I was lead with that. Definitely lead with that. Yeah, always, always. Um, the art. One thing I know about art hoes, they love a Scorpio. They can't help themselves. Everyone loves Scorpios. It's just like it's the it's uh, Pablo <laughs> Picasso that was a Scorpio. I think as an artist mission is uh, I'm upsurping like there's some Genghis Khan power, and I'm gonna you know like Picasso's really like people Picasso and painting kind of go hand in hand. They're like, almost synonymous in itself. But I feel like the crown can come over because he didn't have Jimi Hendrix and I had that all the way through everything and so just by that I think I'm like a million miles ahead and then I just got to put the painting part into practice you know what I mean yeah but that doesn't answer my question okay uh yeah so uh, <laughs> I kind of does I mean I know uh pataphysics or you know like Alfred Jury uh I, I don't know I'm just like uh I don't want to say like middle class. You talked about on your podcast on the kind of like the ridiculousness of saying middle class or the realm of whatever, but I'm just uh, an artist. I've drawn for since I was like a little kid um, and played hockey. I don't know. I'm a human being. <laughs> All right. Now, hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's start there. You played hockey. When, when did you start playing hockey? Where did you play hockey? Where are you from? I played, Where are you born? I, well, okay, I was my family is from I'm living in Duluth right now, Minnesota, which is up north on Lake Superior. The biggest great lake and it's super cold and my folks are from up there and they're kind of like uh, my pops this family like a railroad background and my mom's pops had like a print shop for a bit and then they like, lived on a farm too for a while and it was snowing on may 21st in duluth and my pops graduated and he got a job offer from like a job fair thing and i was down to florida so he just hightailed it and my mom chased him down there and my brother and i emerged in tampa bay and then we did arkansas for like a year and the clintons were in office down there and that was pretty insane hearing about but i was about three and a half when we moved back up to wisconsin and yeah that's where i played hockey mostly or uh, rice lake but i went to a tinier school that didn't have hockey so it was like poor it's dirt kind of town um for a majority of it but there's like some houses and like that kind of suburban sprawl, but very disparate. Um, 
But I was pretty good. I played first line. I was small though, so I had to like learn how to stay low and stay fast constantly. How long did you play hockey? Uh, up till I was 16 and I played my last year in Minnesota and it was a team that had never won a game in their entire like history because it was like a joint school thing. So I was really pissed because it was Minnesota and they had the Minnesota State Boys Hockey Tournament, which is like more watched sometimes in the college tournament. Um, but then the place I moved to just had a joint team. So it only had like a B program since it was like four or five schools combined to play and so they didn't have like a state tournament you just like don't go so i was kind of pissed already mm-hmm. and the team i went to they didn't win any games in their entire franchise history except for when a team got like food poisoning and so i wasn't like thrilled about it and then but the first line was kind of cool and my friend i was gonna quit my parents or my pops he had like the dream of hockey kind of thing more than myself at the time and uh he was kind of pissed and then my friend at school though he played and just kind of had me come over and then just to hang out and play. And then I did like a practice with them and they're like, you're going to play first line on Saturday. I was like, I haven't signed contracts. Like I'm a liability actually just being here. You have to do all the contracts. Like you won't sue places for youth hockey. Cause you're just having kids run into each other on ice. Um, anyways, and I, it was fun enough. And then I played for another year and we actually didn't lose any games and they have like a bunch of trophies. We got like six or eight trophies just going to like weird ass tournaments. And they were just like punk ass kids and then just showing them how to skate fast and I don't know, be not a dumbass. They kind of got their shit together and we had a pretty fun season. And then so I, did uh, it... oh, I just say I got more concussions and then just injuries. I ended up having like internal bleeding that year, which sucked from like getting a stick to like spleen. Like when you check someone, you kind of put the loose hand on the butt end and I got it in the side where it's like no padding. I remember that sucked because I like pissed blood. You couldn't see it, but it, I could feel it. And I wanted to like, I was like, I don't even wish it still. I'm like in my worst enemy. That was well, it, I've only been to a few actual live hockey games. Um, go goals. Uh, but one thing I noticed about hockey, unlike other sports, is that they seem to really encourage fighting. Yeah, it's well, once you get in the pros. Um, but then still, like, there's that underlying. I, mean, it was, I liked with my team in Wisconsin, I was way more disciplined, but then there was like, you just always stories of teams and they do like the bench clear and a bunch of kids just go and fight. And I think I always just thought it was stupid. It doesn't look like the pros because I want your kids fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I know. Well, where the but kids, in basketball, if you punch somebody in the face, you're, yeah, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Whereas in hockey in professional hockey, it looks like that's just kind of an accepted part of the game. Yeah. But if you skated, like if you get on ice skates and you go as fast, you're pumping blood at like a different, you feel it gives you a cool, like energy high. And so they're all jacked on like a different, I mean, you're just breathing heavier. You can drink like so much water because you're skating and just like absorbing fluids and pumping them back out. Um, so I get it with those dudes that you get amped up. Cause like, especially with like with the goaltender, if the guys you're just trained, like almost like if you're if just like the other color team is near your goaltender and you hear it's like after the whistle and they make any move, you're just supposed to like murder them, like and get them away from the goaltender as far as you can. And then it's like until the ref pulls you out, but that's like the official kind of like how you practice that play. Like, even though it's like the whistle, but you still got to clear a guy out. So he doesn't get too close to your goalie. You know, so did you did you end up quitting hockey? Did you get sick of it, or you just kind of forgot I, about it one day? No, it was like at my school. It was messed up because uh, I don't know who I pissed off or what. It was like a group of kids. I got hit by a car while I was delivering flyers for a job. I had a bed and breakfast, but it was like I was fifteen. Yeah, I still wasn't sixteen. So I didn't have my license. 
but it was like the kind of the rednecky just bullshit um because i just i don't know like punk skateboard and just had you know i don't know i just have like that you know like the dumbasses in high school and it's really easy to have a one-liner back and i could just do that and then i'd have a decent amount of friends that you know have your back and then you know but then also public schools public school they you know it's that so um anyways i hit by somehow got hit by them with a truck and i was like delivering flowers but i kept doing it but i was calling home and then i was like i think i had a i had a concussion that's pretty bad um and so then i just taken like instead of doing summer league that year i just and then i just thought about it it's like dudes are all like i don't know, growing beards and getting to be like six foot eight and i was i hit my growth spurt a little bit later that year so i just kind of was already sick of it and doing the whole thing and then full year hockey you don't have time for anything like friend groups outside of it or dating girls and i was already like playing electric guitar and you know listening to Jimi hendrix smoking bead and that seemed more fun, so I just kind of called it a day and figured I wasn't going to be an NHL star. So, all right, uh, were you already yeah, doing art my, at this my, point? I, oh yeah, no, that was I did art since I they had, like youth hockey programs would like uh, totally get me drawing the program like little goaltender and stuff. I do gigs like that. Um, I was drawn when I was like pretty much. I mean, there's drawings from when I was like three. But it was a hustle too, because I remember I won like when I was five. I I won an all ages group like uh, art contest at a flower shop, and I got like a hundred or two hundred dollars of flowers for my mom. And then I did something like in first grade, where I drew an animal scene, and like the animals were coming in from the out of the frame, and they had like cuticles and shit. And I won all ages group with that, and I got to go to this like bizarre museum of taxidermy, but it was like safari with an elephant and like wild cats and everything and then they had a petting zoo with goats but i had to take my whole family to that for winning this i just drew the picture and the teachers like entered it but they were just kind of like uh like fucking cleared house on the like you know kindergarten through sixth grade or something but it was like some punk seventh grader just kind of i just think i drew it even like while well, i was just slacking off in class you know just gonna say you seem like a guy you seem like the type of guy in high school who was always doodling Oh yeah, just like I mean, every every parent teacher conference, especially I think the funnier ones when I was little, because I was like into aliens, like an HR Geiger way too early at like uh seven and eight. I remember getting up. My brother was like two years older than me. And so he would get kind of like allowed to see stuff. He's 84 and I'm an 86. So it was kind of that like unchained 90s rated R and late 80s rated R level. But I got, we saw aliens when I was like eight and I was obsessed with it. And so I'd have like the scenes with like the face huggers and the chest bursters and these like really elaborate uh, scenes. And it kind of like, I mean, it's like I would probably the draw to like Jake Chapman's art with hell. It's like kids like setting up their army figures. But I could just, the fact that I could draw it very articulate, you know, it was pretty decent rendering. <laughs> but the teachers have been like, is Brian okay to my folks? It's like, yeah, he just likes this movie. Um, it's it, well it seems like uh it seems like a breach of midwest niceness yeah oh no my gosh it's like i just a uh, black sheep um and it's like yeah because i mean i grew up around all that kind of evangelical church stuff and i like grew up in that and so I was so your probably, parents are religious yeah my pops was catholic growing up and then my mom was some kind of baptist or something and then i was like baptized even catholic and I mean, it's just hokey, and my pops kind of hated that growing up. But it's like a huge, big—he's uh, like one of ten kids, 
So, um, but then we were, I remember we like a few years ago into the Catholic church when we lived in Wisconsin and then they just said like, fuck this. And until like the, like it's more evangelical something. And so it was less of the, it just kind of people are like, let's just read the Bible. It seemed for the most part of it, but all that stuff kind of just is, you know, religious structuring and through which denominational or how they play those, I don't know, structuring because it goes in to like a whatever, what are they not? They're not corporations or whatever, non-taxable religious entities or whatever. Anyways. Um, so let's see. So you're you, you go from a doodler, an impressive doodler, to when do you start thinking of yourself as um the artist we know now? Um, I just, I, it's just funny you say doodle because I remember that a grad school professor and she was like very adamant that doodling was like the practice because that was a surrealist kind of thing. And so there's like a elegance to the word doodling. Um, I would say, I don't know. I mean, like I was always drawing shit and my pops would like draw G.I. Joe and like by the time I was five, because I would put it on like the window and then trace that. And he could actually do pretty good because he's like a, an accountant, not like an art person. And uh, but he's like, yeah, by the time you're like six, so you just said, like, dad, you don't got to do that. I can draw better than you. And so then it was kind of just always I hustled in second grade. I would draw the Goosebumps covers for kids because Goosebumps, those books were really hot. And I could draw pretty much like a replica picture of a Goosebumps cover while I sat in class. And then I would get chocolate milk and cookies and all like whoever snuck candy in, you know. And I would like hustle it that way. And I would like, and get like sodas and stuff that we'd like have out on the playground that we weren't supposed to. So it's always been like a hustle since I was little once you like realize like, I don't know, just drawing. It's it's like a superior communication tool in so many ways. And so it's always, and then, yeah, like I did say, because then, yeah, like the hockey thing, I thought it was kind of just that goofy kid, but it was just like the freaky kind of, like, he can draw really good. And so it's mm -hmm. there's like a puppy growing into like big paws, you know, and you see the clumsy puppy <laughs> too big a paws, but really just, um, you know, when I think of doodling, you know, I don't mean to disparage doodling per se, but when I think of doodling, I think of doodling as a form of avoidance. I think of it as a form of sort of trying to escape um, where you're at, you know, you're doodling in class because you don't want to be there. Um but then I also think I, I I remember I used to do really super elaborate doodles uh, that I would get lost in because not only would I be drawing these doodles, but I'd be imagining the world that they were taking place in. And I remember doing this from the time I was like in first or second grade to the time I was like maybe a senior in high school almost. Um, and because I was always so bored in school, I was like I was forced to go into this kind of imaginary daydream realm um, and I'd get there through doodling. And actually, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad because without something like school, without something monotonous and boring to sort of force you to do this, uh, that practice sort of falls away. I think maybe if I'd been able to hold on to my doodles, my will to doodle, I, I, I too could have been an artist. I, but it, didn't like, it, should be, it should be like a considered like a, as fundamental, I think, as like the math and science is like, a, I mean, just drawing directions and ways and understanding space. But I don't know. I I get that. Like you can kind of tune out. Not I I use that to like really manage a lot of like anxiety. But also it helps me like to listen. And then also like I found. I remember I was like fourteen, and it was like kind of like a stupid revelation because I wasn't like super. 
I could draw, but it wasn't like I need this like identity with it. But it's just always, you know, just do it because it's like as important you can. And then you kind of like have like, oh man, I'm like into something or I want to, I don't know, like the expression of wanting to draw something. Um, but I remember it was like, I, I was like not having fun doing it. It seems lame. And then I remember I had like a offspring CD and I put that on. So I was like, oh wait, I have a lot of fun at this one art class. That do you remember a, which offspring album? Americana with uh, the guy that just passed away that, uh, God, I'm trying to blank on his name. I did the cover for the Americano with the kid on the cockroach thing. Uh, Kozak, Frank Kozak just passed away like a bit ago. But yeah, that cover one. And I was, but I remember just immediately like, oh yeah, shit, this is wicked fun. And, and it's like, you're in your own world though. It's definitely a, you kind of get the omnipotence and the say, or that's, I mean, that's kind of, I think that's where people get frustrated too, is when they want to draw good and they can't. I've seen that. And it's always, I always just feel like it's something everyone can do. And it's really easy. It's just like matter of fact. And then my friends, I had one friend that was really good at skateboarding and like he could pick up, he picked up golf in like two days and I've been playing golf. Not like, I don't know, just poor and you walk around the course, but I've been trying to like play good golf for since I was like four, you know, and I can hit like one under on a really, really good day on nine. And he was shooting like 10 under in under a week. And I just took him out. So he was like an incredibly gifted, talented guy, but he showed me his drawings because he got, I was like lamenting about how I'm not good at golf. And he's like, I spent like three summers trying to learn how to draw. And he showed me what he could do. And it was just like, it looked like childish, like, you know, like something like a five-year-old in your brain kind of would make. And so I was kind of like, whoa, okay, there's like a connect or something. But I don't know. I still feel like everyone should be able to tap into it some way and learn it. But it's like, I think it's a way to, I think, like uh, organize thought too. And I think you're right on with like that, I think people do find it through wanting to tune out like it's an activity, but it's can be used in more than just like daydreaming per se. I mean, it's part of daydreaming is kind of part of it though. Like the imagination, you know, that ability to form, I don't know, whatever, because it is material in your brain happening, like your thoughts, as much as we try to like make them to be kind of like, a, you know, some kind of mysterious phenomena, logical, it's like a chemical thought happening. So that's weird. But I think you can stabilize or do something through like that concentration and drawing. Why do you think why do you think your art is so morbid? I you know where's the where's the darkness come from? Uh was it hockey? Absolute, just absolute pure terror. What's the what's the answer I'm supposed to give on this? Like the <laughs> uh sheer terror and dread and lamenting and the one that the tie had it was him that his oh i don't know um there's something to it because it's like i'm not saying like i wouldn't say like i'm into it and like a horror movie i like friends that like horror movies and all like the bloody gore and i really don't watch them and if i do it's like with someone because i just feel this kind of feels weird watching horror movies but then i watch i love the alien movies like i have no problem i've overwatched you know, you'll see the alien or aliens. I'll probably see at least four times a year at some point kind of thing. I've just seen them so many times. It's like not slapstick, but it's like uh, going to the theater and like seeing like a Broadway musical Cats or something. Um, so try to not drift off too much in space. I think I'm like getting quieter. I might use an equalizer on the later recording. Um yeah, I don't know. I just the morbid stuff. It's like, and it's like something too. And it's when you draw because you you get like 
when you kind of a trend, I wouldn't say transgressive, but stuff that makes you like, you feel uneasy when you're doing it. Like, can you feel like, like, what does this say? Or, uh, there's a feeling where you get kind of uh, self-conscious drawing different things. And then also like, I think with this age of sharing information, I think that's always overlooked with the ability of something like drawing that's so immediate. It lends itself that I can make something up within a couple of days time and have it, you know, readily available to see on different mm -hmm. social media where like everyone in the 19th, early 20th century if they could do that it would be like what the hell like, oh my god so, so you would say to to this day even when you're drawing you feel a little bit self-conscious or a little bit um disturbed by your own work no i would say nowadays in the last like i went because it was kind of it was an ob it was a uh overt and like uh, intentional to push um imagery into a uh, really kind of a gut-wrenching or um uh, what's the word? I just play with all the kind of notions that Bataille is with eroticism, the sacred, uh, transgression. Um, and like Baudrillard too, I would say I was really playing with those roles and like the considering like the realm of the pornographic and that it's not just like the naked body or even how it's presented, but these kind of uh, more brutalized when you're thinking of like cropping in a picture where you get these just chunks and it's very much like a butcher store. And so kind of trying to figure out how to make like uh, art that really is a visualization of like kind of these theorists. And then I was really bumming out after grad school. And I again kind of I got into like Toshio Psyche and a lot of the Aerogiro artists had right before I got into grad school in 2017, I think. For the and uninitiated, who are those? What are those? What does that look Hiro, like? Aerogiro is like erotic, grotesque, Japanese. It's up. It wasn't really a movement. It's kind of they get lumped into it in this because there's like a history of erotic grotesque art in like the western viewpoint all the way back into like the Edo period with these like really uh elegant woodblock prints and like insane but they have like the insane like penis or something and just uh but then it goes up to like the 70s with Toshio Psyche there was a, some kind of stuff around World War II like with like they had the Dadaists and then the early German Expressionists at that same time there was some stuff going in Japan but it's really kind of hard to come by because it was so out there but it'd be like a lady with like a chainsaw on a bra on a on like a unicycle and it's just kind of this unrepresented lost kind of chunk of history of just like pure and, and it was like the sim similar dissident to the imperial rule for them but then it was kind of the westernization with all the different pulp magazines they got like toshio psyche and like the kind of playboy magazines he was doing his stuff and then like john lennon yoko ono had used one of his drawings for like an album and Suhiro Moro, who I was the kind of guy that really inspired me when I was finished up with grad school and I was just bumming. But his stuff was like kind of this 80s, I don't know, just every level of like, just like, it's like Mobius, but evil. And just, I mean, just the high level kind of story of the eye. But then when it's put into that visual drawing, but it's all, it's like, it's just so elegant and nice it had just such an effect and I was just like, I kind of just like committed to doing this more. I would say try to put more of my practice into things that were very precise, planned out and deliberate compared to like um, more expressionistic work, like the paintings are kind of talking to Alana, um, my wife about prior to jumping in a van with some band dudes from Detroit, uh, Child Bite, who I just saw over the weekend.
um you have a kind of i was like i don't know i was like 22 23 but i still had this kind of tendency that i can draw but i so you have like those marks where you can someone can see that you drew something and you could draw it well but then have that uh shoot from the hip and the kind of crazy boschiati or you know a kind of i don't know bad boy drunk you know right slayer with spray paint over it and like be that kind of asshole or stuff and like if, if you cared too much it was not cool but i think seeing different bands and the amount of like effort and stuff and just getting around more and more artists so it's like really put your shit into it um that's kind of always and then once you catch on to that it's always like wanting that to meet more people that make you inspired to like level up is like the best way to describe the I don't know the tendency because it's fun with the art. It's like it is. I don't know. It's it's rewarding as much as it is like that you sacrifice. It's kind of that's the alchemical nature of it. Mm -hmm. I've noticed. So one thing I've noticed about art kids is that they usually they like they like art, but they don't necessarily like dense reading or intellectual kind of stuff. But I've noticed that you're unusually well read i am not i would i am <laughs> okay. trying i am attempting and i am reading the books but i was largely uninterested in all the theory mumbo jumbo all the way till i was going into grad school in 2017 and still i was not enough into it and enough arrogance of just like i don't think you need this and it's ridiculous and then uh but I got into Bataille. I said okay. I got into Bataille pretty late. I got into him like right as I was getting into grad school. Um, through a different friend had posted uh, something about that one book, The Sacred Conspiracy. And it was more through that because it was his complete um being fed up with like the political system and encouraging this whole idea of like similar to now of just you know the left-right bullshit. And then uh this was like the the Trinity head of like capitalism, Marxism, and fascism and Kind of like to fuck with us and to create this like uh sacred sociology that was like okay this guy what's he up to and then it was it was just nice you know you find stuff at the right time um and so i was and that was the thing i was like really bummed out after grad school because you see so much of the system out east where i'd done school and the uh nepotism all the different kind of bs of the whole fine arts world and the big that because i mean it is competitive in all the different aspects and there's that whole opportunities to get into the different bigger gallery scenes and museums and blue chip galleries you may just have that and just seeing that more up close um yeah i just i don't know i'm trailing now on us where am i going um all right but i mean you were the type of art kid who was like i don't need these fancy books but then it kind of makes sense that bataille would be the guy who would yeah, 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 yeah. Captivate and I, you enough that you would sit down and. Uh, I was. I wasn't the, the fancy, the philosophy and the ideology. I was more into like anarchist press and like uh, Norman Finkelstein, and just more things that were like uh, I don't know, like leftist. Punk? Yeah, the punk stuff, and I mean, I just hmm. yeah, like uh, soft skull, AK press, and then just that was kind of and then guide from there. I remember God, what it was. It was, you know, and it wasn't like overtly like rah rah everyone, but like, and then there's that book like uh, Weaponizing Anthropology, I thought was really good. And it's kind of a good staple because it was when Obama and all the guys were denying any of the Snowden revelations and all the different departments. And they're talking about how they were kind of where they send people over, like in every college program, there's some kind of kid and like some taking some government contract and he'll go be a 
accountant or a marketing person or something construction laborer in Afghanistan or Iraq. But then when the army gets there, he'll basically jump into like the armored tank and kind of be like the eyes on the ground with them uh, or some kind of just any kind of behavior all the way through that or just even just being stationed and being in kind of like a person. That book was really cool. I mean, that kind of stuff. It wasn't the Deleuze and Guattari and accelerationism of like Nick Land. It was like, it was kind of like Bataille into, yeah, grad school was like Bataille into like Nick Land. Cause you get so much like the Susan Sontag and Judith Butler and so much of that. And you hear it regurgitated back in grad school. And so it was really refreshing to hear like just Nick Land on chained ass shit. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, this guy, what was he? And then, but that was also, he was in like, I remember reading some of his stuff and not having a fucking clue, but I was also researching in like Jake and Dino's Chapman's work because I could get all the books through the library. And I remember that the, one of the old librarians was like after hours and I'd stopped and she's like, more or less like, had me like that I was on like a flagged list kind of thing because I was getting all the different Jake and Dino's books and there's those the mutant kid sculptures, like the Zygotic stuff and then so i think that was probably what if anything like tipped it off on like i got on the watch list or something but he had a bunch of writing in it and i was just like bizarre like you know and i just didn't know like what is it or so other and so then you kind of get into it and read more and learn about that guy and jungle music in england so yeah and i mean like the whole burial stuff i mean i was 2005 that record came out i was oblivious i was into like punk rock and like Slayer always and like Blood Brothers and the Locust, like just really spazzy weird shit or like something like Sigaros and Mogwai, like definite like party early 20s. Um, it's never like on drugs, like, you know what I mean? Like uh, over time or like always, or, but like at parties, like that young party culture of just like, I don't know, try things or you wanted the weird, you know? So how long were you in grad school? Just a couple of years. Um, but they, it was it was at Maine College of Arts. So they break it down into trimesters and do this condensed summer session. So it's kind of like grad school plus in like the sadistic nature that you're going into debt and, you know, everyone gets the same degree at the end of the day. But it mm -hmm. was, uh, yeah, it was just a couple of years. But, it, you know, it's kind of that weird time compression where it feels super long and immense. But at the same time, like, it's incredibly quick too. Um, mm -hmm. and then just the, like I said, like the sadism of it and like the current day and age. Um, cause I didn't do like a full ride. I just, I'm like kind of banking on student loan forgiveness, like from an economic standpoint, they just are kind of being forced into having to, or everything's going to fall apart that they want society to look like, unless that's what they want it to look like where, I don't know, it's like everyone just holds on to student debt, you know, it just seems kind of well it's it, that's funny because that's kind of become our accursed share um is is how can we build the can we build this gigantic debt um can we build a debt bomb big enough that we can force the government to basically commit a mass sacrifice of debt um, i think it's but yeah but at the same time like we're doing this debt ceiling thing i'm like laughing at we'll see what the news is in a couple days and see how well this podcast ages because you know like they just i don't know it's a point it's like if they do strike a deal which they probably will or that's what we're saying now but it's like, okay, then why a month of you guys scaring people on the news that like my nephew's 13 is like, are people going to have food? It's like, but that, well, it's, it's, I'm just saying that's like, it's, it's funny to me that 
it, it, it's almost like the entire purpose of our society is to build the biggest debt we possibly can um, and then pretend that it's like something that's real. Uh but I mean, there is a real aspect because a lot of the stuff, you know, like through labors overseas, I mean, there's this kind of break between the first and like third and, you know, whatever non-developed worlds or it's places that basically America's exploiting and, or, you know, all of us are exploiting in some aspect of like Western countries, like all the European ones and it goes down. So, I mean, there's like real impact. We just, because you're not seeing it, you know, directly affecting us. But yeah, there is, but I mean, there is the whole like that we should like just extend or expend and use up and consume i mean just on a day-to-day basis like what you throw away i mean it's all, you know, like i don't want to go to greenpeace or green environment whatever whichever one it is um but what i'm trying to say is that the sure, the exploitation can be real but the debt is not the debt is yeah, a great fiction uh, yeah and it was just like and then the whole thing too it's scammy through though throughout because they're giving away the degrees now because they they're not getting the attendance it's really it's a math problem that's just stupid because they they projected out with my i'm like 2005 graduated and i was like kind of like the peak amount of baby boomers that had kids and then it just tapers off after that to make it just like simple and then but all the colleges for their like 10 and 20 year projections into the future, what they were bringing into the schools was like, we need to expand, build, because we're going to keep growing the number as though like that peak number could increase with this, like making better numbers with a business. You know, you made this much money this year, but it, you just didn't have, you don't have the young people. Like, you know, people stopped having the bigger families and, you know, so it's just a simple math problem. But then, yeah, so it's just that. And then, but then the schools can't get the undergraduate body. And so they extend the grad programs. And so like, I remember they brought in like 20 more kids in my grad program. I was like, what the fuck? But it's like, they can give out the state money and then it's, they cash it. It's easy money for them. And then the person goes into debt. I mean, that's why I see a lot of my friends are quitting teaching. Cause it's just kind of like, it got bottlenecked with the 08 crash. There's no job. So it's like, you're just taking money and then spitting kids out. And every like art school's just got a graphic design degree. Cause it's the bread and butter. Because it's the kids will take the quick job. It's the safe choice. And it has job placement after the end. But like all the job placements, like doing Candy Crush or like, you know, like magic wanding and helping out like a tool company do its Mm -hmm. like. Well, let me let let me ask you a boring topical question. How do you think uh, how do you think AI art is going to affect all of this? Oh, it's going to I don't know this. A lot of people should lose their jobs in the entertainment business. It's bullshit for the last how many since I've been a kid, even the majority of it's garbage. I don't know. I think it'll be like color TV. Like people are like, what do you think of color TV to black and white? Like it's like, you know, it'll become a preposterous question, I think, in like no time, you know, because everything's going so quick. I think in like two years, people will just be like, I don't know, it looks like that or it has the touch up. I think the unbelievability is that I think it's cool. Um my bigger idea with it's just that it's gonna like make uh physical mail and physical things be more precious and uh trustworthy maybe like i think with these ai things if they get a hold of email like people already suck with junk mail and fall for that shit and if ai is trying to get you to fucking offer up information it's just gonna outsmart people but then i'll be like you know people's lives will get quick ruined with like social security numbers or whatnot and so then you have to kind of go back to like a hard mail like snail mail and, and like kind of physical proofs of things that you know a machine can't override and this is yeah this is currently my only big white pill actually that but I, go, be, I go to give it we, to see if it 
crazy here. It goes all the way to the point that we're like the humans in Planet of the Apes and where they don't talk anymore. Like communication, all of it. I mean, it's been so where it gets hacked by the machine. So then we become so untrustworthy of it. We go like we reduce ourselves. Well, what I'm what I'm saying though is I, I my only white pill here is that we might enter a kind of dark renaissance where people are forced to unplug because the internet becomes untenable, and like you said, physical art becomes more valuable, physical interaction becomes more valuable, small trust based communities become essential. You don't get a choice anymore, right? It's almost like the internet descends into a Hobbesian struggle that gets so bad that people have to leave. No, I don't know because it's like I, I think it's like. Oh, God, you were talking on the one episode with Dank Deleuze about the kind of like the Gen Z and how they kind of pick between or almost prefer the digital world. But I work with a few Gen Z and even with I remember grad school, like they kind of they don't even have to they don't pick. They just don't pick between they they like a couple of them have the earpieces and constantly and it's like they're taking the Internet at the same time they're doing reality. And it's, you see sometimes the indecision of which one should take precedence. And it's like a very uh noticeable where it's like they should acknowledge and like kind of come into contact or start kind of pushing for like the interaction in the real but you can see something's more uh entertaining and maybe pressing to them that's happening in the earpiece and online with their phone and it like yeah it's just like it's awkward so i think i don't know you'll have i don't know there's something there's a negotiation to work out amongst cultures and i don't it's not like you can force it you know, like politically correct like it just becomes tedious and that's why it doesn't work or like the light bulbs that were replaced the like the incandescent ones or whatever that had like the powder in them so you're supposed to dispose of them right but you can't like dictate morality so everyone just throws them in the garbage like you know that kind of mentality so i'm just to... i'm imagining okay i'm saying best case scenario this is me being white pill this is me being optimistic this is me imagining what a dark renaissance would be like and I think one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is because kind of what you've been talking about is what I call edufolation, right? Um, where the degrees are starting to become worthless because everybody knows that people are kind of just going to school not to get jobs, but because they can't get jobs, right? I know when there's downturns in the economy, for example, that more people apply to uh, graduate oh God, school. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I took it. I mean, I was too. I was like, oh, God, the struggle because I got out a month after the economy crashed with my undergraduate. And so... I was jealous of my friends that were still in for it. I'm like thinking, should I go back for more years just to, you know, not do this? It was insane. I remember I was on a waiting list to get a grocery store job with other people. It was like $10. Mm, yeah. It was so insane. You, you're, you're competing, right? Then you, you have to go it out was, and compete. It was so for... brutal in Minnesota. I remember I was standing up. I was like doing on the wall stuff, like going and doing siding and roofing gigs and being like illegal immigrant style, like, please pick me for the day. Yeah. But it was yeah. like also brutal winter. I remember it was just like it was a bad vibe because we had like it was 40 below constantly or then if it warmed up, it would snow a ton. And like the Viking Stadium, the, the old Metrodome before they blew it up, the roof collapsed. It's like, I think that's it was pornographic. It's like the roof collapsing, the snow coming through and just decimating the field. And it was like millions upon millions of watching and like the accumulation of it and the replay value. Um, I thought that was a very Baudrillardian moment, but it was brutal right after everything so yeah um yeah i think it's just bottlenecked it ruined everything and then again like they did more money bailing out with the covid stuff but they had to report on it than they did with like the 08 so i mean it's the level of funny money i just i can't take it seriously i know they're gonna they want to send something in the mail saying you gotta go back to it at some point i'm just kind of in 
COVID denial, maybe, I guess, student loans. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about how people have a natural envy of the kid who can draw good earlier. And then when I'm looking at like AI art, it almost seems like kind of revenge of the kid who wishes he could draw good. Oh, Someone totally. who can just take other images and, and, and remix them, you know, or train them on a certain algorithm or prompt or whatever. But then I, I don't know. I've noticed that a lot of the AI art, and I guess it's still whatever in its early phases, but it, it all, it all both the AI art and the AI um, writing uh, because it has to be tightly regulated so that you can't create or, or that it, it can't um, it can't become so chaotic that it starts to threaten its commercial value that it has to tend towards a kind of medium. I don't know. I think it's just going to decimate. You don't need actors. You don't need so much. It It's that tendency of capitalism of it not needing to nurture you. It will just keep growing and grabbing, you know. Um, and if you don't you know, it won't, okay, it's going to put everything out of business and we don't have art people or that tendencies or people really going into it. And it becomes like records and it's more niche and it's, or, you know, niche kind of groups. And, but it's, you know, it's not like records were back in the seventies or the eighties, you know? Um, I don't know. It's kind of, and it's, it's just bizarre. I just think it's like, uh, it'll, yeah, I just think it's something, I don't know what, how, the companies they're just so sleazy they will they don't want to pay actors like it's like everything that's like you know everything that's wrong with the world is like we pay people a minimum wage like you, i mean that's just like the cultural malaise and depression is like you tell everyone basically like we're paying you as little as we have to to get you to perform optimally you know and but now it's like a joke of a system like any place that you would ask for like a raise would like laugh at you because it's like you're not in that bracket of job market that was really became way more concrete after the 08 crash i thought like if you had a four-year degree before the 08 crash you could just have that degree and you'd be like okay you can get a management job or people just kind of like trust on that degree like you said everyone just got them so then it became like how do we and just seemed like a real immobility economically and but everyone kind of acting like we're still on that system of work hard get a raise but it's that's kind of just silly at this point you know all right, but what I'm what I'm trying to get at is, do you think it's possible that AI will make the internet such a clusterfuck that the value of real art or real things will come back in an unexpected way? Um, I mean, it's, it's I don't know because you just never. I mean, art's always been like the nice stuff's always been part of like just the people that could have it, and it was basically I mean, we have museums because people were rioting with like kind of the rich people like the french revolution stuff and so they were like uh, a gift to the people was that we would share you know our immense wealth and that's how you kind of got the museum started was all about like oh we will because we're such you know good rich people and we're educated we will share some of our collections of really nice things but um i think there's always there's like an immense value i think the regular people too though i think it's just more educated i think you have a smarter species actually I think you will, but also at the same time, you get a, like a lot of like the shit rises to the top. You'll get the Doritos Mountain Dude out bullshit, you know, that's like the easy, I don't know, like everyone's nightmare, like the Beavis and Butthead, you know, but in the real, that was like why everyone was kind of scared of Beavis and Butthead is that the degeneration of society. But I think overall, I guess that's optimism too. That's pretty rare. I don't get called optimistic too much, but I think 
it'll be a more elaborate i think still i could just you know like kids using ipads there's just a they're more technologically versed and like the we'll just become more we're just more intricate and more more you know um what do you mean more um everything will be more more complex there's a complexity a complexity increases i don't think i think we're i think the big thing is we're seeing the limitations and i think the add-ons like the arms like kind of the bio arms the like i think the plugging in and i'm interested to see how that works with kind of like a telepathy with people and that kind of drive because i noticed i think with social media since getting married there's like that that libidinal nature in people that aren't so you kind of always stay on the prowl you know with the dating lives and stuff but you see that people are always kind of drawn though to the wanting to find some kind of intimacy or something or like, otherwise intuitive it's not there it sort of seems like okay they're like a whatever model or a very rigid corporatized almost become that you know i'm a small business page but you see i don't know it's just a weird but that all that stuff it seems like there's a real still draw like that seems like even kind of said that because of the, there's just so much at hand there isn't the kids running out into the field you know out into the woods and burying like a hustler magazine it's just everyone has everything by the time they're you know touching the internet i think the there's just a pull for like uh i don't know connectivity like and i think that's more what you'll see is like our evolution is kind of like I don't know, kind of like weird ghost in the show, linking up people and making kind of like, they said too that uh, there's the Siamese twin of that's not the right name, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but the, the conjoined twin and the neural, the person they could see and blink and make each other blink. And it's like a cord that goes between the two brains and that's how they can kind of like communicate with each other. But if they would widen it, they could do more or like basically kind of like relieve pressure on this thing it would allow it to like basically function at a higher rate and but they would they would lose their self of or lose their sense of self more and so if you link someone up you get like the combination effect but you can't actually get that individual sense back so i think people doing like a mind meld thing and be kind of conglomerate weirdo mechanism okay. so a bunch of disassociated zoomers with uh neural links <laughs> but even that or even just once the machines he could even like parasitically like grab onto something human i mean i don't right. know i was trying to get us someplace white pilled brian i was there for a second and then <laughs> I know. elaborating it more and thought like nah back to like something it'll be horrifying i'm sure like brian do you ever draw do you ever draw nice happy pictures i um they're all anguish always um i draw cats for my mom for mother's day and her there you go Christmas. but are they cats that are like fucking each other's skulls and shit she no she's hilarious she's like uh, i think she'd prefer i only draw cat pictures that are nice um i don't i don't i mean she's just hilarious she uh very midwest and like christian um wholesome she says stuff like i'll do uh I, she's like i wish you would draw nice things or something or then uh, if it's like abstract art she does the oh I, that's nice but i wish you would do stuff other people can do <laughs> just, i think that's the best one like and i get a lot of the assholes that like i'm an abstract only person i was like okay and then i think a mom you know 
Well, I mean, does she does she have any of your normal? I shouldn't say normal. Does she have any of your regularly scheduled artwork hanging up in in, in her house? Um, we got a picture. I did this one kind of looks like a it's the cabin my dad has with his nine siblings. They share, and and it's the thing is falling apart. But I think it's one of those just kind of grew up with it as a kid, so it's absolutely magical. But it's anyone else going to they're just they're gonna give you a look it's like this is what she came up to do but the lake is gorgeous but i did this uh painting with a just black and white ink and that's up in their kind of basement section um and there's an abstract i got back from an auction because it didn't go it didn't sell but they framed it up which is really cool they did like about like a 200 dollars really nice bang up job on the frame and they sent that with so i was like cool so I gave that to them and I have that up and I think the frame looks nicer than it's a nice collage, but it's a really nice float frame. Um, they've had things over the years. I mean, my pop said he would have my drawings in his office. So it wasn't like, you know, overly Kafka, but they definitely don't get, they have, they have no comfort level whatsoever. Just I think they've been to a couple art shows and it was after the fact, but that's, I think people ask that too, like, Oh, your parents, I'm like, you know, like, I don't know if it's like a thing where I want, you know, like I need my parents' approval. It's, it would be more weird to me if I was like making sure mom and dad are on board for my success and <laughs> whatever the fuck I'm doing with drawing. Um, yeah. I just like the idea of a very, you know, like Midwestern Christian home with nice pictures of fields and flowers and Jesus and cats. And then there's just one of your pictures hanging up in there that they occasionally there have to explain to company. <laughs> And, like there's a picture uh, of oh, decapitated was... drone war porn. <laughs> there's been things left around and and you know uh, moments throughout time of uh, like you know the repair guy or electrician or something or whatever. But they're all and the thing is most people are like, wow, that's actually really cool, and like they'll tell you about how they can draw or know someone that draws and they really like it. That's why this that uh, the software stuff gets banned with drawing. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, <clears throat> even with photorealism, I think the drawing itself then even lends to it and makes it just like it de-eroticizes or, or you know what I mean? It takes away it takes away the energy of the actual thing or through itself. There's just such a but people aren't mm -hmm. like actually offended. It's people know people that are that are supposed to be offended or like right you know, the symbol game and I, you should, because you see this, then you should behave like this. And because I'm not seeing that happen, we need to sound an alarm and get people worked up. But, and then at that point, the thing that was supposed to be offensive is just like laughable, you know, it's, I mean, it plays out every time. And, but yeah, like our culture subsists on that, you know, just. All right. Yeah. All right, Brian, it's time. It's time for lightning round. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's right. do it. Favorite color. Red. Favorite book. Generation of Vipers by uh, Philip Wiley. That's really dope. Favorite, favorite movie? Uh, right off the bat, through the chorus from a child, I'll say Aliens by James Cameron, the sequel to Alien. I need them both. <laughs> the second one was just I was like seven, and then like the intensity of shit coming out of the like every single angle, like being horror, and then everyone dying and. It's so cool. Um, but I mean, like, I would say I just got Alana to watch Solaris, the Tarkovsky original. And that's up there. Mm -hmm. cool. You know, you, you refine your taste. Like, you like a lot of weird green goo. 
as a baby and then you learn to like really sophisticated green goo as a young adult right uh favorite ice cream flavor oh man someone with peanut butter and chocolate and like god i'm like on a fix right now i don't go like a lot all the time but i am like i have i do steady uh snickers ice cream bars like i'll probably go about one a day i do wayne gretzky a coca-cola and a snicker bar before a game i do i just but it's like an ice cream one it's like i'll go to sleep because i work nights and it's like i can just put myself down if i have one before i fall asleep and then it's medicinal snickers bar favorite living artist other than yourself uh jake chapman and living uh suhiro Moro. yeah yeah favorite not living artist uh, there's a lot of those um mike kelly said so bummed out when i got out of school and he well it's like 2009 he committed suicide i was really bummed out about that because he was like the freak that kind of like mm-hmm. was like king freak but then like to see that he was as sad as he was that was pretty bummer um mike kelly jimmy hendrix obviously like jimmy hendrix and genghis khan i put in the realm of like ultimate artists so those dudes um and then i'll just do one more let me think dead dudes uh george bataille because i mean he's just such a i don't know i think artist of a kind i think you almost hate my take i don't know i'm always just I'm like i would i think he's just like absolutely unbearable or something maybe you know what I mean? Like, it was dead dudes, and it's like, you enjoy their work, but then all of a sudden, like, actually, dude fucking sucks, or, like, they think you suck. I don't know. <laughs> all right, Brian, so what are you working on now? What am I working on now? What I can have, we look forward to? We have, uh, I got a book I'm making with my friend Julie Osco from Brussels, Belgium, and she draws a lot of uh, intense imagery and really cool i don't know really really gnarly moving a lot of drawings and some paintings and we're doing a book together and it's going to come out on this blurred press out of upstate new york and this really cool kid jason he goes by astro boy racer x on instagram right. let's put a little book together and she speaks french predominantly so she's gonna write about my art in french and i'm gonna write about her art in english make that and then we are gonna have a show later in fall in grimsby england at turntable gallery all right and so that's kind of prepping up for that um making work i'm just like i just draw to stay i've been doing pretty good i've been since i've been drawn in the last few years i've had to just you know keep it just keep a constant you know object in motion stays in motion so we have most of the work that's ready for that show um a few things with bands kind of coming up, but you got to always be, I have got to hear like two, I got to hear my favorite rapper and then a really big band. I got to hear both their releases before stuff got by like one was like a almost a year. I got to hear a bunch of stuff. And then the other one was like, it's going to get announced, I think next week, but getting cool. Like it's just so surreal. Like I just draw pictures and I become friends. I got to hear stuff that's not it's being announced and not released, but I get to like hear it early because they're like, draw something to this and let me see what you make kind of thing. I think that's just bizarre. Like, All right. And where can people find you? And is there anyone you want to give a shout out to, including yourself? Um, I would say Julie Osco. Um, she's on Instagram. I think if you Google her, Julie Osco, Brussels artist, you would find her. Um, and Blurred in Press, 
with the Astro Boy Racer X. Um, shout out to my friend Adam Art Seahors. And you can find me at Brian David Downs, one word, Brian with an I, Downs, like the direction, but a plural. And you can Google me. There's a Flickr site that's still my main portfolio. I'm going to get a real website because they I'm like moderately banned from them. If someone flagged me after one of our podcasts with Jake and Isabel. So, um, yeah, we're all in that moderately banned shadow banned uh, territory. Yeah. We're touching the dark internet. We're, we're making the gray internet. Yep. Or hopefully, or hopefully the dark renaissance. All right, Brian, thank you so much, man. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Have a good, happy Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day.